And next is the award <laughs> uh, for the best horror or supernatural podcast. Um, next is the award for best uh, horror or supernatural podcast, which is particularly apt. I was in pictures one day from the uh, This is. <laughs> off the cuff. This is the perfect time of year for listening to scary stuff. Again, goop. Um, and scaring yourself silly. So I hope you'll all go home and listen to all of these shortlists of who are they? Dark history. Devil times five. When a small group of misguided fools gather around to hear the demented ravings of people whose opinions really shouldn't be trusted, that's you listening to our podcast, that is. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 82 of the Devil Times 5 Horror Podcast, or should that be the award-winning Devil Times 5 Horror Podcast? Well, we don't know yet. We don't know yet, because as we record this, the glamorous, glittering, independent podcast award ceremony is still just over a day away. <laughs> Uh, but whichever way it goes, I'm sure we'll have something to say about it on next month's show. Uh, on to this month's though, I am Cliff and I'm followed by my fellow cult faves, Simon, Emily and Brianny. Hello. Hello. Right. And this time we're joined by a brilliant comedian from New York City. It is the one and only Catherine Henson. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good. It, it, it's funny to have it be so bright out and know what we're going to be talking about. <laughs> yeah, we normally do this at night, but sometimes <laughs> schedules don't allow. So, Catherine, when you were living in New York, did you get lured into any uh, dodgy cults? I mean, if you would call stand-up comedy a dodgy cult, <laughs> yes. Oh, it's uh, <laughs> definitely enough human sacrifice. No, that's improv. <laughs> True. What is it they call the improv in America? Harold. I hate that. Why do they call what? it Harold? They don't call it improv Harold. It's a type of improv. That's a type of improv. Yeah. No, no, yeah. I know. That's what I mean. Yeah. It's the kind of wacky fun that uh, you miserable fuckers will understand. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I don't like improv people. When I was doing stand up, like, uh, Simon is an improv person. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, like Simon's me. an exception of the rule. You're all right, mate. It's the rest of them. <laughs> yeah, the, rest of them. The, the ones I actually know are fine, but the rest of them are scumbos. Well, no, it's not scumbos. They're just so relentlessly positive, and it's horrible. <laughs> it is true. Because you're so used to being so alone, like an insular. It's like, oh, you have friends. Does that come of yes and in everything? Mm, yeah. I think so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I once did this show where uh, there were two comedians, stand-up comedians, and we each had to do a set. And then there were two improv groups that had to act out Ugh. our sets. And Ugh. I was standing with the other comedian, and both improv groups, they all had their hands in the center, and they screamed their <laughs> team's name and high-fived each other. Ugh. And we were like, this is disgusting. <laughs> Don't worry. All of that is just hiding some serious breakdowns happening all the time. You know? <laughs> yeah. Laughing through the tears. On a one-horse open sleigh. Um, yes. And scene. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> As ever, we'll kick things off with our highs and lows of horror. Over the last few weeks, Simon, you start. Uh, I've watched uh, The Fall of the House of Usher on Netflix. That was a high. That was, uh, I mean, it wasn't scary, but I mean, just nothing is scary anymore after watching the things of this podcast, to be honest. Uh, but it was uh, some nice sort of characters, some good sort of like bad people getting what they deserve in kind of like fun ways. And uh, they had more of the poetry of it than I thought they were going to do. So yeah, it's a 
I'd say it's a recommend. There's a good squelchy squelch. Good squelchy scene. squelch, yeah. Yeah. It's a good Mike squelch. Flanagan job, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Mm. Less sentimental than his usual ones. Okay. It was basically like fancy saw or like yeah, fancy yeah. final destination. Yeah, really? saw with qualifications. Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> BTEC National Saw. Saw with an English degree. <laughs> Doctor Saw, but it's a PhD in literature. <laughs> I'll start with Saw with the uh, civil engineering degree, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've got to have the qualifications to do that stuff. Uh, no, that was it in terms of horror. Uh, Bryony? Yeah, no low, because all I've really watched here is House of Usher. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's not as sentimental. I, d- I think I like the sentimentality of Mike Flanagan, though. Like, I, I think my favourite is Midnight Mass, um, which if you haven't seen, you should. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's um, good. But I did really enjoy it. There was a lot more gore and it was like just quite enthusiastic and, and fun to watch. Like some of the deaths are really great. And yeah, Fancy Saw. Really enjoyed it. Really recommend it. Okay. Emily? I've got two highs. Uh, first one, unsurprisingly enough, is Saw X. Not the no, greatest. no, no, don't talk about Saw X. Don't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> are we allowed to talk about it? Or yeah, you can talk know? about it now. I saw okay. it the very next day. <laughs> Good. Yeah, it was. it's not like the greatest Saw movie, but I still really enjoyed it mostly because Tobin Bell is awesome and um, he's 81 years old. He's clearly an actor who has a tremendous amount of range. He could play angry cops. He could play nice granddads in Disney uh, Christmas movies, but instead he just chooses to play Johnny Saw every now and then. <laughs> um, so I love that he's now called Johnny Saw. This is canon. He is. I, I can't imagine him as anything else now. I know his name is John Kramer, but it's like, no, it's Johnny Saw. We could call him Dr. Jiggles as well. Doctor Jiggles, yeah, that, that's 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 what he's called at night during the day. Yeah. He's Johnny Saw. It's like having if anyone's familiar with the day tonight Barbie, because I'm sure you are. Oh. At night time, um, he just removes what he's wearing and he's got sequins underneath, and then he's Doctor Jiggles. <laughs> Don't play his game. Well, you know, you might want to play this game. <laughs> I've not uh, seen it yet. I've just it's it's quite a silly film, but it's just nice to see. Johnny Saw doing his stuff. I mean, some, a couple of the traps are quite quite silly. I like the plot detail that it's made very, very clear that he cannot speak any Spanish at all apart from one word. But then there's a bit where the taxi driver says to him, where to, amigo? And he says, in Spanish, straight to hell. So while he's been in, oh, been yeah. in Mexico, he has learned the Spanish for straight to hell just mm. to make the torture bit more effective. And he knows that this taxi driver speaks English. He's just doing it because he's got a little bit of the old Dr. Jiggles flair going. Um, it it's fine I mean the um, the poster's awesome and the icky bit with the eyeballs that's in the poster is fine um, and my other high after watching Martyrs last night I needed a palate cleanser so I watched Lamberto Barber's Demons because um, sometimes you need something that's brightly coloured fun gooey and makes no sense and appears to basically just be cocaine in celluloid form so yeah <laughs> good times Catherine I want cocaine and celluloid form, so I will be watching that. Um, I have two highs and I guess one low. Um, my first high, Talk to Me. Oh, yeah. I, I just watched that, and uh, I found that very original. And I happen to have a hand that's shaped like this, and now we have to get rid of it um, because <laughs> we, we don't want it in the house. It's It's got to go. Um, so I really enjoyed that. It's fun to sort of be scared again, briefly, you know, uh, just sort of fe- have that kind of creepy feeling like maybe I should turn the lights on. So th- I really enjoyed that. And then I rewatched, this is one of my favorites, uh, Your Next. Okay. Um, uh, yeah. ha- anybody seen? I, yeah, uh, yeah. What I, yeah, yeah. I specifically like the use of the Dwight Twilly band 
uh, which is kind of this glam rock song being played over and over again during a very gruesome murder scene. Uh, it, it's one of my favorite uh, scenes ever. So that's why I recommend that one. Incidentally, everything had to be watched because I, I saw the Martyrs remake. So mm. I, uh, you know, I, I needed, a, as Emily said, a palate cleanser mm-hmm. um, after that. Good. Um, my high is a new film called Totally Killer. Has anyone seen that? It's on Prime Video. Oh, it's on Prime no, no. It's, yeah. That was my second choice for palate cleanser yesterday because um, that looked fun. But I oh, was it's so like, much no, fun. Want demons. Yeah, it's no, like it's so much fun. murder. Yeah, it's kind Not of sure. like, it was about a girl who um, time travels back to the 80s to stop a serial killer from his, doing his reign of terror. It's kind of close in tone to like Happy Death Day to You. It's the um, same director or producer, isn't it? It's not, no. Yeah. No. It just looks like it should be. And and the amazing thing about it is like it's it's not sanitized PG thirteen style like most of those things are. So the killer's MO is to stab people sixteen times and the camera does not cut away from that. You see the <laughs> you see the sixteen times stabbing each time. It's like, whoa, this is pretty cool. Sixteen times. Yeah, on their sixteenth birthdays. Um. Like the bumps, but more impressive. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the bumps at my school. <laughs> <laughs> and my low is an anthology horror called French Blood One. I think they've made three of them so far. <laughs> it's so poorly put together. You can't even tell off the time when one segment's ended and the next one's begun because they all look the same apart from one and they don't have proper endings. So it cuts to the next scene. You're like, is this a new one? Or are we still in the old last one? Or oh, the first segment, this is so poor. It starts with a girl getting a phone call like at the start of Scream where someone's like, what's your favourite scary movie kind of thing. Um, but then, oh, it turns out just to be a boyfriend playing a joke. So they go to bed and they have a shag. And then he goes to the kitchen and he gets killed by an alien. Uh, but then she wakes up and that was all a dream. And then he gets up for real and goes to the kitchen and screams. And she goes to see what happens. He's just started, he just fell over, just tripped. And that's the end of that. And... <laughs> I mean, that is a bigger killer than actual monsters, though, isn't it, falling over? It's the real horror, I'd say. Mm. It's very true. Slippery kitchen floors probably kill more people than Dr. Jiggles ever has. Dr. Jiggles is a lover, not a killer. (laughs) (laughs) He never killed anyone, of course. Yeah. Uh, They were our highs and lows. Now, this month's theme is about films. It's... This one's theme it's is about films. This one's theme. Oh god, we've done eighty-two episodes. We're out of the, this month's theme is films. films yeah. <laughs> this one's theme is films about people who are sucked into joining a cult or becoming the unwitting victims of cults. But the films were all made in the last fifteen years and are set in the present day. <laughs> it's strange, isn't it? And that's why we've called this episode "Modern Cults." There you go. No, 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 not modern enough. When I was choosing which bit of that song to use, right, it really occurred to me, Ian Asprey cannot fucking sing for shit, can he? (laughs) No, that's why the best bit of the song is the intro before he starts singing. Listen to him. It's like he's doing his own karaoke, basically. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's singing in the club style, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, the club's... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, our first feature this month is something I've slagged off quite a lot in the past. So, let's see how it uh, worked for me this time around in my third or fourth viewing. From 2008, it's Pascal Logio's Martyrs. Uh, and this trailer uses the official English dub for its dialogue, so enjoy 
Enjoy listening to these struggling actors who are happy to get a day's work in a recording studio. <laughs> it's them. You positive? Absolutely. It's been 15 years. It's them. You can tell from a picture in the paper. I can tell. You lock someone in a room with no light. Soon they begin to suffer. Then you feed that suffering. Slowly, methodically, systematically, coldly, for a long time. Martyrs are very rare. A true martyr is a special person. They are exceptional beings. They withstand paralyzing pain, young lady. They can survive total deprivation. They carry all the sins of the world. It's their sacrifice. They wouldn't necessarily know it from the plinky plonky piano, but mm. people think Martyrs is a really extreme film, and if you're a proper horror fan, then you have to love it. Uh, I've never liked it. Anyway, years after two girls suffered sustained violent child abuse... One of the now adult women tries to stop the other from going on a vengeful murder spree, but ends up finding out just why they were held captive in the first place. Um, I didn't hate it quite as much this time around, but... Um, why do you hate it? Um, I think mainly it suffers from that kind of everything is horrible syndrome that I don't like about yeah. horror films where like everything is grim from the start and you just feel like, well, if they die, that's just puts them out of their misery, doesn't it? They'd be better <laughs> off dead. There's no joy in this film or in their lives at all. For like a so-called extreme horror film, I felt able to watch it on the train, not yeah, not, <laughs> not worried that people would go, oh, what are you watching? You've watched some really terrible things on the train, though. Yeah. Anyway, what do you think about it? Uh... I watched it this morning, so I had like Sunday Morning Martyrs, which was mm-hmm. a fun way to start my day. Um it's fine. Yeah, I mean, you go on Reddit, everyone's like, oh my god, like, I can't stand this film. It's like the worst. It's so relentless. And it is like relentless and it's just sort of sustained over and over and over again. There's a good 20 minutes of her just being punched in the face, mm. um, which, fine. Well, not fine, but like, <laughs> fine. There, there could have been, there just could have been some editing to, to show that. It was just, it felt a bit lazy of just like, and now we'll have 20 minutes of her being punched in the face. Well, what's lazy about it is that, I mean, imagine if Johnny Saw, uh, his <laughs> way jiggles. of torturing people was just to punch them in the face 15 minutes. Yeah, that yeah. franchise would not be as much fun as it is. It would not be a success. I mean, it's a horror film. Come up with some interesting horror. Mm. Don't just like make us watch a woman being punched in the face repeatedly. But again, it's a horror film with, a, with, with designs on something. I think that's my my biggest problem with it is that it's like, it really, really wants to say something, but it's not quite good enough. Like, we're sounding mm. like a right pretentious film ours here, but it's... That's uh, a right pretentious film, so go ahead. Well, yeah, but on an even more pretentious film level, what it really wants to be is The Passion of Joan of Arc. I don't know if mm. anyone's seen that. Mm. Like, it constantly makes references. Like, she's always framed, like, Joan of Arc, and it wants to be like, oh, the suffering is so meaningful. But The Passion of Joan of Arc gets its point across in silence, just with a face and without the 20 minutes of punching. So, mm. you know, it really wants to be that, but it just can't quite get, well, it can't get there at all, really. <laughs> no, and it's basically what happens when you, you have a nihilist making this kind of story, because I think it would be a lot more interesting if you had somebody who did have some kind of positive outlook that was dealing with all this darkness, etc. It feels a little bit like the director's just like, do you see how dark everything is? Yeah. So you think it should be done by an improv group instead? Yeah. <laughs> Martyrs! Exclamation mark. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to see a nihilist improv group. You should come to our one. <laughs> oh, really? It's not, it's not yes and, it's just no, no. and crying. I always try to make the end really weird and grim if I can. Well, I watched the remake. I saw the original years ago. Mm. So the remake, 
by comparison, made the original seem appealing <laughs> um, to me. Because uh, I was watching the remake with my husband, and I just kept saying, you know what? I remember I initially didn't enjoy the original, because I agree with everybody. It's trying to say something, but just didn't quite get there for me. But at least it had... <laughs> The gore, like it delivered on something, whereas the remake, I was like, if this movie got made, I should be able to make a movie. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we didn't need it twice. And uh, the second time was worse on every level. I can't remember if the remake has like 15, 20 minutes of women being punched in the face or if it does something a bit more interesting. No, it it doesn't do anything more interesting. They they die together and then there's a girl that they rescue. It's, It's almost a happy ending. Yeah, done by improv group. Yeah. <laughs> it's watered down. And, you know, gore isn't like my favorite, but it did make me go, you know, maybe I should just watch the other one again. I'll probably I'll probably enjoy it after seeing this remake. As far as the gore goes in it, there's an open goal there. They could have showed her being skinned painfully for, <laughs> yeah! for 15 to 20 minutes. Opportunity missed. They skipped straight over that bit. I was expecting, because there's such like a heavy religious angle of it, and maybe because I watched Midsommar the day before, but like I was expecting a flaying with like angel wings. There could have been a more extreme artistic choice, yeah. but it was just like, whoop, whoop. Oh, look, now you're in a skin suit. It's like the episode of The Simpsons mm. where they're all turned inside out. I can't remember what their name is, but it's a reference to a Catholic saint who um, is flayed and usually presents himself like draping his removed skin jauntily oh, over yeah. one shoulder. Oh, yeah. St. Francis of Isisi, your eternal organs? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I can't remember. But anyway, that one. They were trying to do a visual reference to that. And well, maybe they just didn't have the budget to like show the um, the flaying correctly. But I suppose, you know, it's something that's coming when the the woman goes, there's one more stage. And you're like, oh, what's it going to be? And you're like, oh, okay, that's a bit grim, but it's not unexpected. I hated that woman. She just turns up in a stupid white middle class woman's turban to deliver a load of exposition. And I'm surprised she doesn't start talking about when she was living in Kenya. (laughs) She just looks that tight, doesn't she? They could have got Joanna Lumley's player in the remake. Oh, that would have been good. They could have done if she'd played her as Patsy. So she was just kind of drunk and a bit (laughs) trying to shag everybody. That would have been a lot more fun. They should have done that. They definitely should have done that. I like how at the end, before she offs herself, she um, makes a point of removing her false eyelashes she's obviously said there's nothing nothing beyond death or there is something beyond death and it's horrible or i suppose maybe she just said yeah it's horrible and also they don't like people who wear false eyelashes I yeah. <laughs> a lot of ladies who died in the 60s who didn't make it um, <laughs> just floating in limbo i took the whole thing as like once you know the meaning of death then there's no point in living or maybe yeah. maybe what the woman liked from the cult was a sense of camaraderie and if she told them all what was beyond death then the cult would stop and they would you know lose their meeting so mm. she could have made it up though i mean you know she was the only one who heard she could have said anything yeah, she but she's been like... not an improviser is she she's <laughs> well, there you go. So she can't just make up on the fly what the meaning of beyond death so it's all it's all basically about how improv is actually an important art form <laughs> and also in the end of the day we could have all just watched flatliners that's that's it really. <laughs> I, mean, I thought it was just about a load of people who want to see a woman do a cum face and then die that's, well uh, that as well essentially essentially what they're after isn't it who does a cum face well, that's what they're aiming for, isn't it? That kind of eye-rolly thing. They know that she's achieved this amazing ecstasy just before death because yeah. she does the eye-rolling Well, she's just looting at the ceiling. That's just that's not just cum face. That's just like, oh, God. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, every woman I've been with has, 
rolled their eyes at the ceiling. Exactly, being with Euclid is such an ordeal. It's comparable to being flayed. Did they die immediately after? (laughs) Maybe she whispered, "I'm faking it into (laughs) it." Bang! (laughs) All right. So, what do you think of that cult? Is it a good one? You want to join it? Nah. Nah. Also, it looks expensive. Yeah, it looks expensive. I like expensive shit, and I like wearing (laughs) black all the time. So, oh um, yeah, they they had a they had a good minimalist aesthetic as far as the uniform went. But no, don't want to don't want to join that. Just a lot of oldies, though, isn't it? Bunch of rich olds, you know, paying for people to be kept under a house. They must like send (laughs) newsletters around. Go, oh well, we're very close with this one, and uh, just a couple. Oh, really think we'll get the flaying with this? Just another two hundred francs. Oh, I want to see what their Christmas round robin letter looks like. (laughs) Uh, Anything more on martyrs before we move? on don't watch the remake i actually preferred the remake but really um, yeah i think it's just a bit less relentlessly bleak and i've got got absolutely nothing against relentlessly bleak films in the right hands you know i love a bit of mike lee mike lee's martyrs oh i would (laughs) watch that that. yeah it'd be brilliant time for to flail in Oh no, sweetheart! You're dead, sweetheart. Get another bit of whip porridge on Tabford force feeding. And at, at the end, where um, when the woman shot herself, someone one of the men goes secrets and lies. Yes. <laughs> Quality stuff. Is that does that happen in all of Mike Lee's yeah. films? That someone just blurts yeah. out the title. <laughs> oh, Vera Drake, tut tut. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the last line of Naked, which is also a nihilistic film, but nihilistic in a slightly different way. He just goes, oh, I'm fucking naked. Ah, right, okay, you don't have to shoot up a house to end up being held captive by a cult. You can just turn up to one of their dinner parties, as in Karen Kasama's The Invitation. What a boring pile of wank. Ah, I liked it. I thought of all the cult films, it was the one that felt the most like how a cult would actually approach you. True. And then it ratcheted up, I think, how people would actually react in that situation. And like, I think it sort of lost its way a bit when it all went a bit mad. But other than that, I thought mm. it was quite well performed. And then I thought the end was good. And it felt like, um, I don't know if you know, like the Nexium cults, those kind of, all those kind of Hollywoody ones, all the kind of high achievers wanting to achieve it. Like, that's why I thought it was a bit different, was it wasn't like a satanic one or a death cult or a, you know, UFOs. It felt like one of those ones that are so seductive and so, prevalent they don't really go into detail what the cult is i think that's one of the no and that's a bit of, that's a bit of a shame so it's a bit of a lack of imagination it's a well-made film i find it it gets it could do with i say this about pretty much every single movie but it could really do with losing about 15 minutes it's too long yeah because it took what like 80 minutes for you know chaos to start and then when mm. it started it was like oh thank fuck but then also at the same time it's like this doesn't really feel earned. I've been waiting and waiting mm. and there's no tension that's been built up. But also everyone just plays it so beige. It's yeah. a beige film. The yeah. acting is beige. And then finally something happens and it's like, I stop caring. I could be watching Heat. I could be doing anything yeah. else. Like... But I sort of liked that it was a bit beige and a bit like... See, for me, what the point of the cult was in that was like it was relieving you from guilt. The idea was you let go and with, you know, the ultimate release of death. But yeah, it was quite beige, but, you know, sometimes I like a bit of beige. I, th- I feel like it's like something that could only really happen in a place like LA where they've been conditioned not to take the piss out of each other for, you know, seeing therapy therapists and stuff because i think if that was a dinner party in britain people would be like you what <laughs> yeah they did that a bit though they're like is this a cop something that it reminded me of was when um when i had a dinner party last year and simon you and alex came over oh my god and, and then you tried to kill us yeah 
<laughs> oh. <laughs> Tried to give us alcohol poisoning. <laughs> and for dessert, I made pineapple upside down pudding. And then, like, the next day, Deb said to me, you do realise upside down pineapples is like a symbol for swingers <laughs> to recognise each other. I hope Cy and Alex didn't think that we were inviting them to swing with us. Yeah, I sort of wonder why we still left soon after that and then nothing happened. <laughs> Strange. Everyone just rolled their eyes. Yeah. I thought it was just pampas grass in your front garden. Pampas grass and pineapples, but only upside down ones. Yeah. Well, another way to find yourself at the mercy of a cult, as well as upside down pineapples, <laughs> is to try to make it in Hollywood, as happens to Alex Esso's actress character in Starry Eyes. It's a cool film, isn't it? Oh, really? yeah, yeah, I, really I like this one good. a lot. She's a really, really good actress, and I love how batshit it goes at the end. There's some really, really weird imagery that really sticks with you, um, <laughs> and it's also quite a fun watch. It reminds me of all the things they say are happening in Hollywood that we don't know if it's true or not what it is to make it and then be famous there was a really bitchy girl who everything she mm. said was awful so yeah. it was fun to watch her go <laughs> you know <laughs> it's kind of like that uh person inside of you who wants your critics to end <laughs> in a dire way she yeah. she acted that out for me yeah. I appreciated it. One in Negla the whole time. As well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I thought everyone made such fun choices as actors, like that like casting director with his absolutely He's mad amazing. transatlantic accent. I was like, mm. oh, you're transforming. You're going to die, perhaps. <laughs> the makeup was also really good for her mm. when she was, you know, rotting Ooh, away. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. It grossed me out. But I was also, you know, you didn't want to turn away because it was she kept evolving into something more grotesque every time you looked at the screen. Yeah, it was like the nails coming off and stuff. It was mm. just horrible. Yeah. It was yeah. so great. Deb, who always thinks that whenever she goes out, I put some dirty film on. I was watching this. She was at the hairdresser. She came back at the exact moment that Alex Esso is topless on the bed getting off with the other girl. <laughs> up to that point, completely you know, <laughs> not a dirty film. It's just going to be weird if she comes home and that scene's on again. Cliff. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's something weird in the end credits. It says that they got um heavy breathing sound effect from a free sound effects resource online, oh. which yeah. I don't really understand why. <laughs> Sex pest resource. <laughs> <laughs> They've done such a good job of making this film. Why do they have to resort to a sound effect of someone doing heavy breathing? Is it the same place got the suburban Sasquatch? They should have just said that. I mean, I wonder how many clips they listened to before they picked mm. the one. Yeah. Like, how many yeah. could there possibly be? This one sounds too sexy. <laughs> this one's too scary. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> how could I get into that industry, maybe? Time has got a cornered. Yeah. So, if you want a heavy breather, I'm your guy. All the way from, from light problem to full apnea, I am your guy. <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure how Ty West's House of the Devil snuck onto our list because uh, the cult in it are old-fashioned Satanists, really. <laughs> but I'm glad I've been forced to give it a second view in just to see if it really is as shit awful as I first thought. And what do you know? It's shit. It pretty much is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. So a this really one, boring film. It's so surprising that Ty West ended up making X and Pearl because they're so mm. great and dynamic. But like this just mm. feels like it could have just been a 20-minute short of just like, hey, 
I watched some films from the 70s, yeah. and I'm in film school, and I'm going to make my own film from the 70s. But then it goes on for, like, what, hour and a half? It's just it's not necessary. So boring. <laughs> when this was on the list, and you said it was shit, Cliff, I was like, I quite enjoyed that. And I realised I fell asleep, and then woke up when it all goes crazy. <laughs> I genuinely must have. I was so bored watching this. I thought it was so bad. I made a list of everything that happens in the first hour of the film, right? So the first 32 minutes, she rents her house, tries to visit her old roommate, tells her to stop having sex because it's morning, uh, makes a phone call about a babysitting job, takes a return phone call about the babysitting job, goes back to the hall to pick up her stuff, sits on some <laughs> steps, eats some lunch pizza, tries to sleep, runs all the taps in the bathroom, has a cry, washes her hands, takes another phone call about the babysitting job, then she gets driven to the babysitting job, then she meets her employer, and then the moment happens. There's suddenly some action for, the, yeah. for about 10 seconds. And then she just walks around the house for the next half hour of the film. Orders a pizza. She's just had pizza. Presses some keys on the harpsichord. That's a low point of the film. It's really boring. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, harpsichord. Yeah. <laughs> Says hello fish to a fish tank. She puts TV news on. And on the news, they say coming up next is Frightmare Theatre, which um, <laughs> it's not, not really the job of news reporters to... Uh, trail the horror film that's on next but that's the um, <laughs> framing device that ty west used in the roost which is an earlier film of his which is also awful and then the absolute lowest point of them all the bit where she puts on some music on a walkman and dances around the house oh oh it annoyed me <laughs> finally after over an hour it starts to get a bit good but Fuck me, that's a long wait. I feel like the whole point of the movie, it's really about we've captured the aesthetic of a different time. Yeah. You know? Mm. Um, and, like, I appreciated it for that reason, but it was unmemorable. Yeah, it's got one idea, and that's it. It's like I could just be watching an actual film from this era that's yes. mm-hmm. much better. Which aren't as boring. I think about ten minutes in, I went, oh, I wish I was watching Black Christmas. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, this idea that nothing used to happen for ages in those older films, it's bollocks. I remember a seminal uh, bit of horror reading that I did was Kim Newman's Nightmare Movies book. Don't know if you've read that, but he describes the first half hour of Texas Chainsaw Massacre where, you know, ostensibly nothing happens, but of course it is. And the key line he writes is, all of this is merely uncomfortable, right? Just before it all Mm. then kicks off. But in The House of the Devil, all of this is merely absolutely wasting my fucking time. (laughs) It's doing nothing. It's not ramping up any tension. It's just filling an hour of time. I don't mind something having a slow build-up. Well, there's no tension. There's no tension. And I think the build-up goes on for way, way too long. And by the time she's in the house and then you again have to watch her just pottering around doing stuff, then it's just, it just goes from, okay, fine. Yeah. Yeah. They're setting the scene. They're setting the scene. That's, that's her friend. This is the world. All they're doing this kind of thing. And then after a while, you're just like, okay, just fucking get on with it. Yeah. I think calling it build up is generous. That suggests it's building. But it's not, is well, it? It's just, just sitting it's there. Just, yeah, it's just sitting there. Also, <laughs> does that guy have a pizza business as well? Because she could have asked for any pizza. <laughs> but he had it. <laughs> or did he go to a different pizza place and get it and bring it in poison? And that's the, you know, that, was the, that was what was running through my head. I was like, is he going to a pizza place, getting it, bringing it back? You know. If only she wasn't such a pizza munching whore, then 
You know, she wasn't, so she, all for pizzas. That's the same lesson as martyrs, isn't it? Yeah, she um, she likes her pizzas. Yeah. I quite like the oddness of the couple whose house she was at. I think that's because Tom Noonan's a really good actor, so he can make things sound intriguing, even if it's just bad. Although as soon as he starts talking, it's like, oh, this suddenly feels like a really, really cheap piece of shit film, <laughs> as opposed to just a boring piece of shit film. It actually suddenly sounds really cheap. No, at least it's a tonal shift. I mean, you yeah. know... <laughs> Mm. Total shit. <laughs> 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 On to some weirder cosmic shit now. And from Turkey, we've got 2015's Baskin, in which a van full of cops crashes and they find themselves being tortured in some caves by a weird little guy with a baby face. <laughs> <laughs> I should have watched that one. <laughs> yeah. I didn't watch this one, but I love that description. Just like, ah, yeah. baby face. <laughs> It's trying to say something deep about the corruption of the police and the regime in Turkey. But also, it's just weird and the and the baby faced dad guy fucks up some people. He gets one of the police to fuck his mum or something or so- I don't I do not understand this film at all. No. I've watched it three times and I do not understand what the fuck no, is going on. No, there's some sort film. of time loop and there's bits where they're not in the hell thing and there's bits where they're just having a conversation and he's saying yeah. hell is something you carry with you so it's like the police are in some kind of mad hell spiral. But then the hell stuff is so yeah, people being blinded and like all their intestines being ripped out and made to like fuck weird stuff and just odd shit happening. <laughs> it's not really clear what's meant by it, but it really wants to mean something. It's a good watch. Like it's not boring. <laughs> no, it's not boring. And um, I do keep coming back to it. Like I say, it's my third time watching it and I don't love it. I'm not sure I even like it. I'm not sure if it's any good or no. not. I, there are lots of points where I was going, is this is this actually a shit film? Yeah. Is this actually really badly put together? It makes no sense. And the use of like teal and orange lighting is very odd for a splatter film. That's not, I'm not sure it does it justice. No, because really. it wants to be more than just a bunch of blood and guts. You know, I, I heard someone wrote about um, a Serbian tale the, um, Serbian, film. Serbian film, sorry, <laughs> Serbian tale. Once upon a time in Serbia, <laughs> a Serbian tale too. Fievel fucks a baby. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can have people who are trying to make a, a point, but they do it badly. And I think the basket might be one of those. You know, and that weird guy is a real weird guy. I mean, he's a weird little guy. Is it a guy with a baby face, or is it like? Italian 70s style where it's just a small adult no, it's playing a, a child it's a re- I don't think he's got any makeup I think he must you, I it- think he looks like that I think he's got a condition yeah. he doesn't look like a baby oh, no I, I, I wonder <laughs> if the director found the guy and was like you know what I could build a whole film around you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've got a job for you quick say fuck my mum yeah. <laughs> I've been looking for you yeah. <laughs> oh there was an audition process and a lot of people brought in actual babies and he's like no baby face old man for fuck's sake and ironically of course the baby face man has a baby with an adult man face yeah. <laughs> next up the directors of Father's Day and Psycho Gorman playing it straight for a change with a dark horror movie set in a hospital that's surrounded by people in matching white robes. That's the Void, which I think pairs nicely with Baskin. Yeah, very similar. They both got the cosmic horror thing, which I really like. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I quite like the Void. It's a bit of an 80s aesthetic going on slightly. Um, yes, but with things happening. Yeah, rather than just, hey, remember that good film that you watched? This is us doing a cover version. Yeah. It had a bit of a Stephen King story vibe to it in that you've got a load of people trapped and it's got some good wobbly creature effects. 
Although one yeah. of them is clearly the um, the creature that you see in the car headlights in Extro, Extro but a lot bigger. Yeah. It's good how his head sort of flaps up and down as he's moving. It's really yes. Good. I like the, the guy who's um, just smashed his face into a pole so much that there's a hole right through yeah. his head. Mm. Definitely appreciated the physical effects on this one. Um, yeah. yeah. And it's nice that the characters aren't completely hateable. Like there's there's no. horrible people in it, but even them you're like, oh, this is an interestingly written character. They've done it properly. I did mm-hmm. notice though that every incompetent or useless character was a woman. Like every single one and all the characters did. Oh, we are shit though. Yeah, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm saying I noticed that because I was like, nailed it. I was like, yeah. <laughs> big tick. <laughs> Giving the screen a fist bump. Yeah, yeah. Nice one, bro. Void. <laughs> Thing is, never give the void a fist bump because it fist bumps back at you or something. Mm. <laughs> yes. Brian, you didn't see that, no? I've seen it. I didn't like it. Uh, and I was going to watch it, but then I watched Prince of Darkness instead because the last time I watched this, I thought I could just be watching Prince of Darkness. So that's, that's interesting. But I totally prefer the void to Prince of Darkness. Really? Oh, yeah. Damn. You know how I feel about John carpenter oh, no just because yeah. you're void of joy stop because i'm void of joy <laughs> been over this several times but no i mean i like that it's all purple there you go it's my positive thing <laughs> good for what it's worth i tried to watch it twice so i've seen the opening scene where the guy gets lit on fire twice mm-hmm. what happened after both times that you couldn't continue I, uh, something more interesting i guess i just i i paused and then moved on and i kept being like i gotta come back to this but it just didn't you know it didn't manifest one thing i'll say about the void it's one of those classic sort of tales of oh the guy is so racked with guilt he wants to bring his daughter back now spoiler alert he brings his daughter back as a big old monster is that what you wanted Like, you know, once she's back as a big old monster, you're going to be sitting around, you know, eating pizza pie. with a, Like, what's the, what what comes after you bring your daughter back as a big old monster and unleash hell? Your pizza munching whore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, what, what's, what's step three? Genuinely. Well, parenting, it's, it's unconditional love. You just find the right tailor. Yeah. Specialist schools. Yeah. Okay, if you had to have a kid, would you go with the monster from the void or the baby face man from Baskin? You're a baby-faced man because you make me funny. <laughs> you look at his little face. <laughs> I like the baby-faced man's distrust of authority, so that one. <laughs> Is that what you want, though? Because you're going to be forever called in by the headmaster oh. or whoever to explain his bad behaviour. He's opened another portal to hell. Look at his little face. Look at your face, Your though. son disemboweled another teacher. Oh, but his little paper face. Look, look at his little face. Look at his little face. Look at it. It's a baby face or a man face. He's a cheeky little lad. <laughs> Whereas a monster from the void is just a big old goon. All right. The thing about all the cults we've seen so far is that they tend to be based largely indoors. Whereas I think it'd be nice to get some air to it before you sacrifice to whatever nonsense they believe in. Fortunately, the cults in the rest of the films we're going to talk about are very outdoorsy types. <laughs> uh, let's start with another Thai West movie. Yeah, I know. Uh, 2013's The Sacrament. Jesus Christ. Oh, I did a Thai West double bill. So I watched House of the Devil and Sacrament and Jesus. I mean, as far as fan footage goes, the characters weren't that hateful. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, come on. I know. I thought they were okay. They were okay. <laughs> like the, the protagonists and stuff. I think every single one of those bearded men is also a film director and you know exactly what sort of films they make more shit like this and and oh these people i just i wish they'd fuck off they're they're all they're all the same age they all look the same they're all smug 
they all think that we should be interested in their tedious worldview. Oh, I hate them. <laughs> One of them's called Kentucker Audley. <laughs> what kind of name is Kentucker Audley? It sounds like an insult. <laughs> you can Tucker Audley. Ken fucking Tucker Audley. You can Tucker Audley. I can't. You can Tucker Audley, but you can roll them in glitter. Ah, you can teach a can't I? Yeah, this one. Um, first of all, it's the story of Jonestown, right? Yeah, that's it. The st- which has been covered extensively in many, many documentaries. It's an interesting and tragic and horrible story. They have done nothing with yeah. it other than just recreate it on a slightly smaller scale because it was like 900 people who died at Jonestown. Yeah. They made it like 162 or whatever. And yeah, and yeah, you only ever see five of those chalets on Yeah, you on only ever see five once. of them. They don't acknowledge the fact that it's just like Jonestown. No. You have the Vice documentary guys there who obviously Vice have kind of co-sponsored this. So there's no satire of what happened if some Vice guys went into mm. Jonestown. And no one at any point says this is just like Jonestown. So no. instead, what you've got is an exploitation movie about Jonestown that isn't even a fun exploitation yeah. movie. I think, which one of the cannibal movies that did a Jonestown? It was Eaten Alive, isn't Eaten it? Alive, it's yeah. Eaten Alive. Yeah, that does a bit. I mean, and that film, icky as it is, it's hard to watch. But when they do the actual Jonestown bit, it is briefly effective. And then it cuts to somewhere with ridiculous jazzy music, which kind of ruins it. <laughs> Whereas in this film, it's just... I just don't see what the what the point is. No. I mean, mm. there's some good performances in it. The guy who plays the Jim Jones alike is good. I didn't see it, but do they follow the storyline? Like pretty faithfully to the point where it's borderline disrespectful. I would say yes. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of truncated though. Whereas at Jonestown, it took a little while for Jim Jones to. It's like the whole thing was. Was it the senator that, that yeah. tried to go yeah. and talk to him and then got shot? They yeah. um. They skip all of that out. It's literally just like, there's outsiders here. Oh, well, that's not going to go. Best get the Kool-Aid out. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, they do. They do. Yeah, they go from naught to 100 quite quickly. Yeah. My mom, we're family friends of the parents of two or three of the people who died there. One Whoa. of them being the woman who gave the drink to the children and then went last. And, and Yeah. The parents were really wonderful people. They're, they're both, they both have passed now. He was like a Methodist minister and his wife, Barbara was they were so kind I think they had three daughters so I think it was two of them were in Jonestown and one is still alive and is like a, a teacher of religious studies so it's, it's kind of interesting that they grew up kind of in the church and then ended up in this type of environment and yeah had kids with him one of them did and then wow. you know you know the guy in this film does a whole speech where he talks about how you know america and the west is so wicked and racist and all that sort of stuff and that was a big part of the appeal of jonestown so people who were you know raised to be conscientious good people it was to suck them in and slowly but surely it turned into something else and that's kind of why jonestown is so fascinating and why this film sucks so badly because it just takes shortcuts. Mm. Bizarrely, Buried Alive, Eaten Alive, sorry, Eaten Alive, with its awful psychedelic dildos and stuff in the Jonestown thing, it's slightly more respectful because it's a bit yes, further away. Yeah. There's also a Mexican one called Guyana, Crime of the Century, which um, is directed by René Cardona Jr., who did um, Beaks the Movie, <laughs> among other things. And it stars um, Stuart Whitman at his most pissed. It's one of uh, Cardona Jr.'s less interesting films, but Stuart Whitman plays the Reverend James Johnson, I think they call James him. James Johnson? But, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you can work out the cryptic... Uh... Yeah. Even that's slightly more honest, because they're going, yeah, we're doing this. He's James Johnson. 
more honest than this, which kind of like, ooh, Vice mm. goes to Jonestown, but it's not really. In some ways, I wish Ty West had just continued being fucking awful because <laughs> it's so much easier to just just put him in the bin. But now he's, <laughs> now he's done two good films in a row. Well, it's Mia Goth, I think. Yeah, if he ever makes I mean, anything without yeah. her again, it might end up being shit again. All right, there's a real cult around filmmakers Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, and that seems to have given them the idea that the world needed a whole film based around two cult members that they played in director's cameos in their earlier movie, Resolution. Uh, the result of that is The Endless, in which they've left the cult, but decided to go back to try and figure out whether it really was a cult or just a harmless commune. I just can't stand these two people. Just Why did they think, oh, we played these two little characters in Resolution, let's bring them back, give them a whole film. People will love that. They want to see our faces. And I don't want to see your faces. They look smug. I want to see Babyface. <laughs> yeah. I'm a comedian, so I, I tend to make things about me. That's sort of what <laughs> happens. Um, so what I found interesting about this, at the beginning, you know, the, the two brothers had very different memories of what happened in this place. And uh, you asked at the beginning if I had found a weird cult in New York, but... When I was a kid, I and maybe you guys have heard of this, I got sent to one of these troubled teen places that America's yeah. known for. Like yeah. they they yeah, they have them in the wilderness and then they have therapeutic boarding school facilities, but it's really cultish. They're not monitored or anything. No. It's just full on torture for children. Yeah, the idea is to kind of like break you down and then rebuild you. You know, you you had to wear like t-shirts that are color-coded which would define what level you were on and like, you know, on level 1 you're not allowed to wear shoes or tampons and you can't talk to or look at other level ones but what's interesting about it is like you know since i've left and i've been in contact with various people that i was with there you know there's some people who did get like brainwashed you know and then there's some people who know that it was like abusive so when i was watching this movie and at the beginning of this when he was like we got to go back i was like don't go back don't go back you know um and then of course you know it turned into something that was not really like my experience but but in a way sort of was, <laughs> was <it not? laughs> you know no no um, um you i mean they, they do have very different memories the two brothers yeah. and uh within 10 minutes i'd completely forgotten which one was which because they look the same that's true <laughs> <laughs> brothers for you though they're not actual brothers though the actors oh. they're, they're just they're just so bland this is the most normcore movie i've ever seen normcore. everyone in it is so beige they've got one non-white person in that whole commune and there's that craft brewer character who just looks like the most basic what does a craft brewer look like he's have a beard yeah twirly beard no yeah i know the yeah, yeah. waistcoat braces yeah I know. Walking around like an absolute tit. House of the Rising Suns on the soundtrack three, four times. Fucking hell. It's so basic, this film. That's the thing, though, about this specific cult. I was like, yeah, no, it makes sense that there's just white people buying into this. (laughs) Like, Mm. that's the vibe it gave to me. Well, you know, this white person was like, yeah, sure. (laughs) I'll sign up for that one. You get food, you get to hang out, you get to do your painting, you get craft beer. And you never ate. I'd be the brother who went back. That's what I quite liked about this with a cult. There was a seductive nature to it, to white people, <laughs> such as myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, I thought maybe. A white man with a beard, I want to join yeah, this cult. Yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is what I was like, yeah, I stuck it in. Is this a recruitment film? I'm looking it up. Uh, Glastonbury next year, I'll know how to find your tent. It'll be the one with House of the Rising Sun blaring out. That's the one where you find my hanged corpse in it. I'm like, oh, don't mind that. I think a lot of my personal experience went in, into watching this or whatever but like conditioning you know thinking like well this is better than the real world now it's like um in one flew over the cuckoo's nest you know what i mean when the guy's like oh actually being out of prison i'm not used to this anymore this doesn't work for me so it, it, it that's all very familiar 
uh, you know, from the experience like I, I remember having. So to me, it was like scary in that not so obvious way. Anything that I enjoyed about this film, and I did I did quite like the way that it turns out to be a sort of crossover sequel with Resolution. I thought that, that bit was quite playful. And the whole time loop stuff is interesting, different, but it was all just ruined by the fact that Everyone in it is so boring to watch. You just don't like white people. That's your problem, Cliff. That's right. I'm, I, I'm a racist. I'm a racist. Who <laughs> <laughs> was that? That fucking UKIP bloke. Was that meant to sound quite as much like Bruce Forsyth? As it? <laughs> <laughs> nice to see you, except you. <laughs> <laughs> And so to our second feature from 2019, it's Ari Aster's very, very long Midsommar. I told you that I want to go to that festival in Sweden. No, you said it would be cool to go. Dude, she needs a therapist. You've been wanting out of this stupid relationship for like a year now. That's not her again. Seriously? Babe, what's happening? Danny. I was so very sorry to hear about what happened. I invited Danny to come to Sweden. You know what she's been going through? It's sort of a crazy festival. Special ceremonies and dressing up. Welcome and happy midsummer. Tomorrow's a big day. Is it scary? What am I going through? I don't know why you invited us. I was most excited for you to come. A student who's recently lost her entire family in a tragic murder-suicide thinks that a trip to a Swedish pagan festival with her boyfriend and his mates might be just the thing to cheer her up. I I just want to say I think it'd be more fun if we refer to Florence Pugh as Florence Pudge throughout this. (laughs) Okay. That's what I've been calling her, Florence Pudge. (laughs) Okay. I watched your edit version of this, Cliff. Good choice. Well, I, I wouldn't have minded watching the director's cut, but my partner went, no, too long. It is, which is precisely why I put together a 109-minute edit. Well, he it. did say, because he was like, what's this Cliff's version? Has it just got Scooter all over the soundtrack? <laughs> <laughs> all the songs are replaced by you singing about people being cunts. Yeah. <laughs> 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 they actually go to the festival in the Netherlands, and it's the Benga Boys. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> but I found it interesting to see what you cut from it. Um, so you cut the mushroom scene. Yeah, done. there's absolutely no point. I agree. You also cut the women screaming together scene when they're screaming with Florence Pugh. It slows it down towards the end. I thought that was an important um, scene to keep the in, actually. scene's so. the best scene. Are you off your rocker, mate? Yeah, no, he cut it Yeah, the screaming is kind of the point. It's kind of, the... that's the turning point for us. I was interested yeah. to see. My initial thought was Cliff's going, ah, it's just a bunch of women screaming. I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> it does go on a bit long, but... So don't you think, though, if you were crying loads about something... Would it help if a load of people you barely know started gathering around you going, That's the point, though. It it might if you were in a a desperate enough point. I mean, I sort of personal take on this since I first saw Midsummer when it first came out. Both of my parents have died, not in a horrific murder-suicide, thankfully, just of boring everyday diseases, but still... (laughs) quite a few years sooner than I'd expect to Uh, have lost mm. them. And there is a moment with grief where occasionally you have all this pain and you don't know where it's going to go. And I can see if you're someone who feels very, very lonely, as Danny clearly does, then 
than uh, Florence Pudge. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Pudgy to it, mates. You're looking for answers. You're looking for anyone who can help you. It mirrors that first bit when she's screaming, crying with all this grief. Yeah. And he's just like, I don't know what the fuck to do and just holding her. Yeah. And then it's mirrored at the end with them all screaming together and she's finally held. That um, whole prologue is fucking incredible. It's, it's like brilliant. Per- yes. Perfect Amazing. little mm. film that. It's great. He does love uh, a woman screaming, doesn't he? Yeah. Darry. That's his thing. He loves he loves a bit of bit of screaming. Well, this is what we were saying the um episode or two ago that like one of the good things about the elevated horror movement is that when someone dies, <laughs> people don't just go, Beer? Should we have a beer? <laughs> like carry on with the plot. Yeah. I thought the screaming scene was disarming. It's creepy to watch mm. that happening. So I, I watched the director's cut, so I didn't see what mm. you cut out of it, but I would veto your choice to cut that out. But agree agree with the mushroom scene. I mean, I, what, what do you... Th- it's like disorientating. Yeah, and it sets up just like how out of it they really are. Because like, they start with a mushroom trip and then they get all these teas and it's it's ongoing. And I, I don't know, mm. I like the mushroom scene. All the bits that I cut for my hour 49 edit, they're not bad scenes in themselves. It's just, it's such a fucking long film. And <laughs> not in the way that Ari Aster's next film, Bo is Afraid, which is even longer but absolutely packed full of things happening. There's so much in Bo is Afraid and it's brilliant. I'm really looking forward to watching that. But anyway, my point is that Midsommar does not need to be nearly three hours long because it's just slow and there's so many scenes of people sitting around chanting and oh, it just drags. I always want 20 minutes out of every film. But with Midsommar, I actually mm. don't feel that. And I like seeing all the kind of the weird rituals. You're like, this is unsettling so I don't quite know what's mm-hmm. going on. Yeah, it brings you into that world world yeah yeah that's it by making you sort of sit with that discomfort well yeah like protagonists have been led along entirely yeah. through this film mm-hmm. and you're yeah. so passive it's really reflected in you as the audience member that you have no idea what's going on you're just being brought along for it and then after you know a good two bit hours come out of the cinema going uh, uh, what? yeah it puts you in her shoes where she gets to at the end has to make total sense and that has to have that journey through the the the, the yeah the absolute awful grief the awful friends to this light place that's you know she's disorientated by the drug trip i think it's quite important they wake up and it's 9 p.m but it's still light when it's interesting to have such a dark experience be as you pointed out like the whole thing is light it doesn't mm. get dark there that you just don't see that in many horror films yeah, that was the big thing when it came out everyone's like it's all set in the daytime ah. but it yeah. isn't there are nighttime scenes the ritual by the lake where they get oh, the kid yeah. and all that that's in the director's cut yeah that wasn't in the, the cinematic cut no but you need that nah but that needs to be in there because mm, I, um otherwise it just looks like florence pudge has seen those people fall to their death and just sort of shrugs it off and goes, <laughs> goes about baking some bread uh, i think <laughs> you really need that but but yes, that is set at night time, that scene. How does that, that work? That is, then? yeah, I don't really know. Mm. Well, they do say at the beginning it does get it does get dark, but not for very long. Yeah. So. Oh, right, okay, okay, okay. I think one of the problems with the um, length of the, those long ritual scenes and everything for me is because I'm not in Florence Pudge's shoes. I'm in uh, Mark, the, is it Will Porter? His mm. shoes, the guy who oh, takes yeah. the piss out of everything, yeah. who's yeah. A, an annoying arsehole, obviously, but that's what I would be in that situation. <laughs> Pissing on ancestral trees. Oh, yeah, fuck yeah. Will Poulter does a really good job of playing a character who's an absolute dick as well. Absolutely, yeah. It's the constant vaping was such a nice <laughs> touch. Yeah. Because everyone who vapes is an arsehole. Uh, 
<laughs> well, speaking as someone who is a massive arsehole, <laughs> I was I was concerned for him because I was like, if it's the kind of vape I think it is, he's going to run out of fluid, and what's he going to end up doing? Maybe they cut out a, a scene of him like drinking the remains of his vape fluid and then yeah. being very sick. I think Florence Pudge when she's frowning. Um, is very funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you know why? It's because she's got a baby face. Do you think so? It's like she's gone. How how do you do frown again? They go, you know, it's like where the sides of your mouth just turned down. She goes, <laughs> did you know not everybody can make a frowny face? Just since you brought it up, not everybody's face can do that. Do yeah, you? maybe that's what it is. See, I think mine does that pretty much permanently, as opposed to I can't do the other thing. <laughs> you can't flip it. Resting Florence Pudge face. Yeah. <laughs> but there there are bits of this film that are funny in a completely batshit way and her her frowny face is I think one of them especially when she's falling around in the big flower headdress and everything mm. and it's just her and a yeah. little sulky mm. face yeah. and also just bits of the rituals I mean it's not based on any one thing is it they kind of cherry picked a few things and yeah. I remember reading like I think it was a Reddit Ask Me Anything with Ari Aster and they said what were you watching and one of the things he mentioned was uh, Chris Morris's Blue Jam I'm like actually yeah i can see that like the weird sex scene with the drugged up boyfriend has to deflower the ginger girl who's put yeah. her pubes in his pie make it come out green make it come out green <laughs> shit your leg off pubes in your pie say hello to gladstone yeah i know that scene very very well <laughs> there's elements of that just the fact that you that that sex scene goes on for ages and then you've got the old woman like pushing his bum at the end. Yeah, yeah. It's so weird. absolutely yeah. terrified and confused. I mean, it is funny. There's his it's face funny and it's hilarious. horrible as well because you're like, you know, ha ha, he's, a, he's an arsehole. And then afterwards you're like, he didn't want any of that. He's being sexually assaulted, basically. Absolutely. That, that was the scene that was playing when Deb came back from the shops. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when he goes in there, the whole time I was sitting there thinking like, if I'm that high, where I was already kind of freaked out about even like taking the drink, mm. I'm like not gonna have sex with a stranger. And I think it was like a testament to his character. Well, there was that scene where he's like being told by the other woman, like you want to mate with her, this is the deal. Yeah. So it is a choice. I don't know if we actually see the end of that scene where is there a point where he actually says yes I'll do it no I don't think we do Cliff do you put a little uh, voiceover in your head and go yes I will <laughs> <laughs> I am sober enough to consent I'm for sex now he's a piece of shit I'm glad he got burnt in a bear <laughs> yeah <laughs> what, what do you reckon then worth joining that cult tempted uh, I'm not. I'm not not tempted. I mean, you wouldn't have to worry about your pension. Yeah. I mean, working pension age is going up to like seventy-seven now, so I think I'd uh, uh. I'd go all in. Stick me in a bear. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> well, here at Devil Times Five, we have our own ritual that causes pain, distress, and psychological terror to its victims, and we do it every month. <laughs> So, six pairs of clips from films to identify. One half of each pair will be from one of the films we've talked about on this episode. Um, Catherine, what have you got as your buzzer noise? Oh, um. <laughs> I'm just going to go for a wee and grab my pig. Okay. I mean, if that's, <laughs> well, if that's hey, how you wee, then... <laughs> enjoy yourself. She's going to... Is the wee the buzzer noise? <laughs> yeah. I've got the shaky egg back this month. Simon? I'll s- scoosh with the air. What the fuck was that? It's my squish. This. Do it again. I don't think it comes through. It sort of cuts the sound out when you oh, do right. that. I don't know what it is. You've got a can of void there. 
Yeah. <laughs> in that case, I'll just say scoosh like I have before. Oh, is that what you've been doing? You've been blasting that thing yeah, and yeah, going yeah. scoosh because I couldn't hear it yeah. all these months. I never realised. Can you hear that? Yeah, I can hear that, yeah. I'll tell you what happened with my Skype the other week. I was in the middle of a therapy session and fucking Siri got involved. It just went, I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> like, At least it was away. honest. I suppose so, yeah. yeah. It's just like inappropriate. Yeah. I've noticed that you're crying. Would you like this? <laughs> yes, I would like to buy that jumpsuit, but at least wait until this session is finished. Thank you. Hi. Pig. Pig, pig sorry. I, Jack was brushing his teeth and then he put my pig away. Um, <laughs> I was like, where's my pig? <laughs> sorry, that's just a weird sentence. It is. <laughs> so, Simon and Bryony, you're playing against Emily and Catherine. Sorry, Emily. I'm going to apologise to you as well because what usually happens if I do get one is I get really excited and then forget you're meant to get the other one as well I think that's that's (laughs) true for all of us can be worth holding off your buzzer until you've got both of them Uh, it's one point per correct answer a bonus point if you get both in a pair number one, here it comes gracious hospitality is easy in any Starliner apartment they all come fully equipped with the most modern name brand electrical appliances and cable TV is standard too Relax by the side. That was Emily's egg first. Uh, is the dialogue from Shivers? Certainly is. Oh, I knew it was Cronenberg. Um, music. Music. Uh, I guess it was Starry Eyes. Yes. Oh, fucking hell. Wow. Okay. Great job. Um, three points. Good start. Uh, number two. Are you following me? I'm kidding. I, I thought you had the store yesterday and now you're at my hotel. Right. On the shop. Sorry, yesterday I realized why I totally know who you are. It's because I follow you. And I'm such a huge fan and I felt like an idiot. Because of course, you know how to deal with these places and those things. It's probably something that you do all the time. Nope. I recognize it, but I don't know it. I guess the music, The Void? No. Is music House of the Devil? Yes, it's House of the Devil, Simon, yeah. And dialogue? Fuck. Um, I definitely have seen it. I know it. No, no. Uh, it was Influencer. Oh, I've not seen it. <laughs> you could have just guessed that word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the... There was yeah. a clue, yeah. Uh, number three. Oh, stuck in these fucking things, man. But you're free. You're free from hell. Simon. The dialogue was the endless. I don't know what the music yeah. is, though. Uh, I don't think I had enough of it to, to warrant, I guess. Okay, Emily and Catherine, can you get the music? Oh, stuck in these fucking things, man. But you're free. You're free for now. They'll get you lost, but you can, you can walk right through it like some brainless dickhole. <laughs> he says you wouldn't know a carburetor from the cop. You should give me a gun. We had those back at camp. I can just not right. fall for that. I only heard music at the end. <laughs> no, I don't know. Uh, it's from Ring. It's a bit where Sadako comes out of the telly. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Halfway through, 3-2 to Emily and Catherine is number four. David, Will, Kira, Gina, Miguel. Back on lunch. <laughs> dialogue is the invitation. Yeah, hold well on. I don't know what the music is, though. I can never get the music. Uh, spooky film. Good guess. So close. Thank you. John Carpenter's <laughs> Oliver. <laughs> In the correct. Um, Emily and Catherine, can you get the music? David. Will. 
Gina. Miguel. Back on lunch. And Tommy or something. Ben. Claire. Pruitt. I want to tell you all that I love you. No, nothing. Well. Creep show. Yeah. Mm. Uh, number five. Everyone we talk to seems to feel that this is everything they ever wanted, and they all credit you. <laughs> yeah, uh, dialogue is a sacrament. Yes, it was. And music. music is. Oh, I don't know. It's one of those weird films that you like. Yeah, weirdy film. It's got tits in it or something. Like weirdy tit film. <laughs> <laughs> Rolling their eyes and. No guess. Nah. Uh, Emily and Catherine, can you get the music? Everyone we talk to seems to feel that this is everything they ever wanted, and they all credit you for that. Oh, I don't deserve the credit. We all did this together. We built this place from the ground up. This is our community, and you being our visitors, it is just as much yours. That's what we believe in. It sounds like it might be from an Italian sex film, but beyond that, I don't know. (laughs) Spanish sex film, The Cannibal Man. That was right about the sex one. Okay, last one's coming up. Emily and Catherine, you're still stuck on that three you got on the first pair. Uh, Simon and Bryony have crept up ahead with four. So here's the final pair. Apparently he was in Afghanistan. I think he was in the army or some shit. Well, that's hot. He's not, he's not like that hot. You don't have to think he's attractive. Only Alice has to think that he's attractive. Like, I feel like I'm more attractive. Uh, is the dialogue from Bodies, Bodies, Bodies? Yes, it is. Oh. Wow. Music? Uh, don't know. Catherine, any idea? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. You guys are good at this. I mean, I'm impressed. <laughs> Simon and Bryony, can you get the music? Apparently he was in Afghanistan. I think he was in the army or some shit. So. Well, that's hot. He's not, he's not like that hot. You don't have to think he's attractive. Only Alice has to think that he's attractive. Like, I feel like... I'm more attractive than that. You do? Absolutely. Oh, well, what are the features that you're bringing to Well, the I thing? just look like I fuck. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I look like I, I fuck. Is it something like Rosemary's Baby? No, it was Martyrs. Mm. Oh, the end. Oh. All right. So that is for all. I guess that means you uh, get to share a bottle of champagne for the winners and a bottle of Jim Jones special brew for the losers. I'll have them both. Yeah, lovely. <laughs> yeah, nice cocktail. Uh, thank you, Catherine, for joining us. Hope you've had fun. Lovely to see you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Now I feel like i got to brush up on a lot of horror stuff. Where can people catch up with what you're up to, uh, Catherine? I am on the internet at you girl, you nasty. You like the way I felt when I saw the Martyrs remake. <laughs> cool. Next month, we'll be putting our devil horns up and looking at the role of rock music in horror. Emily's picked Phantom of the Paradise as one of our features. And as Scary Noises was a tie, that traditionally means I get to choose the other feature. And what I am going to pick for us is Studio 666. I've not seen it. The one with the Foo Fighters in? Yeah. No, I've not seen it either. It might be good. It might be. Uh, So that's Phantom of the Paradise and Studio 666 next month. Until then, why not help recruit more members into our cult by spreading the word to your friends and your enemies and also writing some ridiculously high praise about the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. We will be back on the other side of that award ceremony. (laughs) Happy Halloween and thanks for listening. The judges describe this podcast as completely different to anything they've ever heard before.
while the enthusiasm, humour and acting of the host really draws you in in both the game and the story. And the winner of Best Supernatural Podcast is... The Apocalypse Whoa! Okay, so here we are, on the train. Uh, despondent, we fucking didn't win, no. and some and to add insult to injury, the cunts who won were fucking improv comedians. There's nothing wrong with improv comedians. <laughs> There's so much wrong. There's with nothing some... wrong with you, <laughs> Simon. You're a good one. Textbook racism, this. Uh, <laughs> what against improv comedians? <laughs> improv comedians are the worst people in the world. You, you are the good one. One I know is a good one. And they won two awards. Sure. You won two awards, you bastards. I'll fight you on Tuesday. I'll fight you on Wednesday next week. I'm in the primary life. You're in the primary life. They call up Cthulhu. I'll call your Cthulhu. I'll fight you in the face. I'll make you go mad with me fucking fighting stance. You hear that, Apocalypse players? You hear that, Apocalypse players? He can do that by himself. There's only five... There's only five men wearing suits to do that, does it? Simon can do it by himself. Why can do it by myself? Yeah. I got a pocketless player. I got a pocketless player too. I got a pocketless player three. I'll play a John game. The apocalypse players. Oh, uh, most of the reason why Simon is having to play all five apocalypse players is because Ryan is hiccuping in the corner, having eaten a McDonald's. Sure. The most disgusting fast food. I eat going. a McDonald's. I eat She's a loving it. I eat a burger King. I'll fight you on the Tuesday. <laughs> if you never had a burger. Apocalypse players. I'm just, I, I, I met the, the podcast guys and they're quite nice. But I, sure, they're nice, but to think they're fucking, oh, I'm the, the do this, is, do that, get the podcast. I'm trying to suppress hiccups and like vomiting, where the, this guy is behind me going, they're all bastards. I'm like, sure, the problem is though, you can vomit on a Tuesday, I'll beat you on Wednesday. They're all quite, quite nice guys, they just like, oh, quite they, nice just, they just run a podcast like we do. The problem is, Brian, you have some McDonald's gherkin on your chin and have done for the last 15 She's minutes. She's got gherkin empathy. <laughs> the feckers. I'm just eating that, but no, I'm going to carry on hiccuping. Apocalypse players! Sorry. You have a son. I have a son. The primary life. You're in the primary life. I'm fighting you, junkies, junkies, podcast bastards. So, basically, we didn't win. And it's sad. Tower Bridge and the Shard.